Amen. And we're actually going to talk about one of the amazing tools that the Lord gives us to focus. Uh, it's worship. And so this is the Worship And series. And so last week we talked about how worship helps us focus past our weaknesses that so often seem to define us. And this week we're going to talk about worship and doubt. Now, how many of you have struggled with doubt in 2020? Did anybody else struggle with doubt in 2020? Yeah, and, and I could have said the same thing about 2019 and 2018, that I struggled um, with doubt. And so we want to talk about how worship is a tool that the Lord gives us to overcome doubt that humans naturally have. Psalm 103 says, Know that the Lord he is God. Now, anytime you read the word know in the Bible, K-N-O-W, there's a, a high percentage of chance that that means intimate knowledge that comes through experience or encounter. You know, in America, we've so messed this up through our higher education system. We're for higher education. I'm saying that what it's done for us is it, it has built up what is the hippocampus, and then the problem is we've replaced um, the word know by intimacy, know by encounter, know by relationship, with know by I memorized it for a test. Now, how many of you guys have at one time memorized something for a test then as soon as the test was over, you forgot what you memorized. Amen. How many of you guys did that for like 90% of your tests in high school? And then another 90% in college. I'm just saying, you know. So, but know by encounter. Do you know that God has made you and I with the makeup that when you have an encounter, it makes an emotional deposit in you that you will never forget. But when you know by memorization, if it's not attached to some experience, you can forget that just so easily. But I remember things, for example, about uh, my wife and I just the other day, we were um, watching a television show where it was somebody getting married, and she was talking about her wedding dress and the sleeves on her wedding dress. And before she could actually remember what the sleeves were like on her wedding dress, she was kind of going through a process. No, my sleeves weren't quite like that. I said, oh, no, I remember your sleeves. They were smaller than those. <laughs> now, why was I able to remember the sleeves on her wedding dress? Because there was an emotional encounter in that. See it? So what we learn by experience and encounter is going to stay with us longer. Know by experience, by encounter, that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Now, God knows that we have human weaknesses that get us off focus, and I believe that, you know, I, matter of fact, I've become convinced that the devil does not have the ability to erase a memory, but he does have the ability to get us so focused over here that we forget this over here even happened. Happens to people all day long. But God has given us an amazing tool to help us. It's called worship. 
that when we genuinely worship the Lord with all of our heart and our mind and our soul and everything that God has given us, it's going to refocus us and help us focus in on the encounters that God has given us and the encounters that God is giving us and the encounters that God is giving us hope that we will experience in the future. So worship is like, in many ways, a set of binoculars, which I just happened to have this morning. I inherited these binoculars here. Now, you know, as a kid, these were all that. I don't know if they're giving kids binoculars anymore. But as a kid, these things, I mean, if you got a set of binoculars for Christmas, it was, oh, yeah. So I remember getting a set as, as a kid, and I was actually born in Florida, and we lived on a lake, and we had this alligator named Oscar. He wasn't my pet. He was the lake pet. Ate like, if, you know, very, it was very rare in those days for a dog to last more than a couple of years because Oscar ate the dogs. So, you know, you wanted to catch Oscar on the lake, and so we'd use our binoculars to catch Oscar and say, oh, there he is. I can spot Oscar. Isn't that something? With your binoculars. And so we'd spy on Oscar. That was, that was awesome growing up. Then, you know, later on, we moved to uh, Washington State, and I had the privilege just of being in a house that had a perfect view of Mount St. Helens when it blew. And we had a set of binoculars. And I got to watch as Mount St. Helens blew a live volcano with my binoculars, first-hand view, watching it until I was just bored with it. It's an amazing thing. We focused on it. School was out on that day, and we just sat there on our deck. It was a nice day watching the mountain blow up for the first time. It's awesome. Then I came to Missouri, and they're selling Mount St. Helens ash. I'm like, do you people know we have mountains of this stuff in Washington? And then a little bag, you know what I'm saying, for like $5. See, worship is going to help us focus on what the Lord says will empower us to overcome our doubt. And I want to propose a question to you. What if all human doubt is simply a focus problem? What if all of my struggles and your struggles with doubt are simply a focus issue? Now, here in America, we have focus problems. But we've done enough missions to know it's not unique to America. Ours are just different. We're so prosperous in America, our focus problems are that we've got entertainment coming out our ears. And it causes us troubles with focus. Well, if you go to Cuba, they've got a focus problem. It's just their focus problem is communism and oppression by the government, right? You could go to Africa, and they're going to have a different set of focus problems problems with witchcraft and whatnot. It doesn't matter where you go. If you go, I've been to Indonesia, privileged to go there and train pastors. I learned in Indonesia, their focus problem is Islam and, and the terrorism and the, the 3% of Muslims that are there that are declaring jihad on the Christians. And so everybody's got a focus problem and worship helps us focus. And when we focus right, it removes our doubt. Now, just to illustrate this, Right now, for example, I've got the lights shining on me, so that gives me a focus problem. Now, I've got 20-20 vision because I've had Lasix. 
Jared's got 2010 vision because he cheats with contacts. But I'm here to tell you, I've got a natural 2020 vision because I've had Lasix. And so I can see pretty well, except for you're all fuzzy right now because the light's shining on me. So what I can see without my binoculars is, for example, I can see, you know, your, some of the different masks that you're wearing, and, and that's awesome. But, for example, when I look out there, your masks all kind of look the same. But when I look through my binoculars, I notice this one tall guy that is wearing a Packers. He's wearing a, he's wearing a, a Green Bay Packers mask to church this morning in Kansas City Chief Territory. And that's something. It's amazing what binoculars will show you. It's just amazing. <laughs> so, you know, I, I can see things like that, and that's okay. But, you know, then what I can do is I can look, and for example, when I see our missions board, uh, I see World Missions 2020, and I see 481, and I can see the words physical healing. But then that next, I see 79 with my 2020 vision, but the next one's a little bit of a blur because it's mixed in with a national background. But if I bring these up and I look there and I say, okay, that's 79 deliverance from demonic spirits that we experienced in our 2020 mission trip. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Then 197 salvations. Oh, that's awesome. And then when I look over here at our missions board, uh, we've looked at all of the nations we've been to, and they're all just a blur because they're smaller. But when I look through this, now, the thing I notice about this is that I've got to play with the focus. And as I play with it, I'm like, oh, we've been to Honduras. We've been to El Salvador, Indonesia. Isn't that just amazing? I just, I just love that I can focus in on those things. Sometimes different kinds of worship music will help you focus on different things. Have you guys noticed different kinds of worship music? You can focus on the joyful noise, jump up and down and shout, and that's a good focus. Then you can focus on the solemn type, you know what I'm saying? That's good focus. You can focus on I exalt ye. That, that helps you to focus on, on that God is exalted above our problems. That's good. Different types of worship help us focus differently. And then even, you know, God can cause you to hear the Lord more clearly while you're worshiping. I remember the time whenever I was just worshiping the Lord and, and out of the blue, God told me to give a financial amount that seemed ridiculous. And I said, get behind me, Satan. But because I heard it in worship, the Lord reminded me later, no, that was me, Ben. Uh, you know, the devil's not talking to you during worship. I am. And so you're not going to move forward until you obey, you know, what I've asked you to do. So right now, for example... As the light's blurring me, there are some words on that wall right there, but I can't quite make them out. But if I focus through worship, it says, and he gave him a tithe of all, Genesis 14, 20. Isn't that something? I'm telling you. So what we want to do this morning is we want to use our, our worship tool that God gave us to help us focus and as we will do that, we will overcome our doubts. Now, how many of you would admit this morning that you've got a doubt you would like to overcome in 2021? Is there anybody in the room that would like to admit that? Would you name it just to yourself? Maybe write it down or tell your 
husband or wife right now what that doubt is. What is a doubt that you would like to overcome in 2021? Go ahead and tell your, tell your spouse that, if you would. Tell your neighbor. Write it down on your phone. Take some action and, and, uh, and put that doubt down. And as we're doing that, what if doubt is just a focus problem? So Psalm 100 is going to give us how to worship and overcome our focus problem. And firstly, we're going to learn to focus by singing. Focus by singing. What did you say focus by singing? All right, let's go into it. Psalm 100, verse 1 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. And the Bible starts with this concept that in order to worship the Lord, you don't have to be able to carry a tune. Praise the Lord. You know, when I first got saved, it seemed like I was always in church with somebody that could not carry a tune. And have you ever noticed that, that in many churches, those people sing the loudest? I mean, I mean, I, I remember this mentor of mine when I first got saved. His name was Richard Bakke, and the guy could not even think to carry a tune. And yet he sang at the top of his lungs to the Lord. Now here at Abundant Life, what we try to do is turn up the volume enough to where you can't hear yourself singing so that, you know, that, it's not as much of a problem. But, you know, the history of singing in the Bible goes all the way back to impromptu songs like when Miriam made up a song when they crossed the Red Sea just out of the blue. She grabbed a tambourine and led the women out just making up some songs. And then it evolved into David's era, King David, where he built massive choirs and bands and instruments to have an organized worship. And then it moved into the New Testament when the church was small, back down to a little bitty house church of five people where it says we sang a hymn and then we went home. Little five people you know, probably no instrument there, just singing a little hymn together. The point is that the Bible does not endorse nor condemn the different ways we worship the Lord. The Bible is saying, oh, want to make up one on the spot? I'm cool with that. The Bible says, oh, want to develop massive choirs and productions like David built them? Oh, yeah, I'm all over that. And then the Bible says, oh, you're back to a little bitty house church? Oh, yeah, um, j j just five of you sing, make up a little, you know, sing a little hymn that you all know. Uh, we endorse that. The Bible's going to endorse all of these forms as long as you're making a joyful noise to the Lord because it's going to help you focus. Then he says, serve the Lord with gladness. I find that this is a struggle for so many Christian people is that we serve the Lord, but we do it out of compulsion and obligation and we lose our gladness. You know, the, the Lord, He's looking for a glad, cheerful people that serve the Lord with gladness. My mentor used to say it this way, are you whistling on your way to work? And if you're not, you're not serving the Lord with gladness. And one person that one time did a, an intern uh, as, a, as a teacher, and they, their testimony was, you know, they were, got into this school, and they were just doing what all the teachers do, and they ended up in the teacher's break room. And they were telling me the story. They said, you know, I spent a little time in that teacher's break room, and that atmosphere was so toxic that I just decided I can no longer take breaks in the teacher's break room. 
because there's no gladness going on back there. And so they wanted to teach with gladness, so they said they just decided, well, I better avoid the teacher's break room. I'm picking on that, but it's in all of them, right? The point is, is that, is that the Lord is saying you can serve the Lord with gladness, whistle on your way to work, and we encourage you. Pastor Jared and I do these morning podcasts that are designed to help you focus and whistle more on your way to work, right? How many of you are using the podcast to, to help you focus better? Yeah. So we encourage you, those that are on, you can find them on podcasts and whatnot on our website. Serve the Lord with gladness. And Pastor Jared makes me laugh on those podcasts, see? So it gets me glad. Come into His presence with singing. Come into the presence of the Lord with singing. I like that because it replaces it replaces complaining. It replaces groveling. I come into the presence of the Lord with singing. Now, I have a long history with singing. I actually had no interest in singing before I was saved. Then I got saved at 15, and all of a sudden, I developed an interest in singing. So I got in the choir, but didn't have much experience. And so, because I was so passionate, and because I showed some potential, I had a friend that had the bright idea to have me sing at my baccalaureate, you know, when I was a senior. You guys know baccalaureate. That's, that's, the, that's the Christian ceremony before graduation, right? So we had them in Washington. And um, so they had me convinced that I need to sing this song, Friends Are Friends Forever by, I think it's Michael W. Smith. And it was all good. I had one year of training in choir. I had a little bit of training in church by this time. And I could carry a basic tune, but I had never before gotten into such a large environment with audience and in a place where I couldn't hear. And so I'm in a gym, and baccalaureates were very well attended in Washington State. And so I'm in there, and it's full. The gymnasium is full. Of course, you know, sounds are bouncing. And I remember the first thing is I cannot hear myself sing. I'm here to tell you. So I pressed through that song, and it was me and a pianist. We'd practiced a whole bunch. And I noticed after the song that people kept congratulating the pianist, but they weren't congratulating me. So later, I asked those that I trusted, how did it go? And I finally got someone to tell me, well, you were about a quarter note flat the entire song. So, yes, I successfully sang my senior, my senior year, and a friend with friend forever, if the Lord's the Lord of him, and a friend will not say never, if the Lord's the Lord of him. I mean, I'm here to tell you, it's a good thing you're supposed to make a joyful noise to the Lord, isn't it? See, so... God is going to judge us not by our perfect tone or tune, but by whether we are making a noise. And I want to encourage you, by the way, right here. If you're struggling with doubt, mental thoughts often fall short. you got to get your mouth moving. And getting your mouth moving in a joyful noise to the Lord, will do ten times as much as just trying to correct your thoughts. So what you want to do is get your mouth moving with a joyful noise towards the Lord. And I want to encourage you, let me just take a, just a moment right now and speak to the live stream. 
having been a customer of the live stream for a few weeks, one of the things that I learned was that I was not highly inspired to stand up and worship the Lord during the live stream. But you know what I found is that corporate worship is more important when you're not gathering with God's people than ever before. So are you making a joyful noise to the Lord? Are you singing? If you're on the live stream, are you finding a way to worship exuberantly before the Lord? And it's really going to help you if you'll do that as you're going through uh, and, and you're participating on the live stream. All right, what if doubt is just a focus problem? Focus by singing, then focus by praise. We're going to jump down to verse 4 where it, it, it says this, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Now, the, the Scripture here is going to make a little shift and it's going to say, okay, so what you want to do is start with a joyful noise to the Lord. You've got to get your mouth moving and, and make that joyful noise. But now we want you to experience... Jesus, not only as your Savior and as your Deliverer, but as your King. Now, there's a huge difference between Jesus who saved me, Jesus who delivered me, and Jesus who is my King or my Lord. And the Bible's now going to move us and shift us into worship in such a way that you're not just worshiping your Deliverer, your Savior, the God who, who takes care of your problems, the God who, whenever I cry out to Him, He helped me with my problem. Now we're going to worship the King of Kings. And it's going to shift and say, how do you come into the presence of a King? You enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. You enter into His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. This is so powerful. Early on in my Christian experience, I came to God mostly from a needy point of view. Oh God, I've got so many problems. The world's going to hell, I'm sure of it. Oh God, my finances are in the toilet. Oh God, I need a better job. Oh God, I need, you know, better health. Oh, God, I need more money. Oh, God. I mean, I just oh, God him to death, right? And what the Lord began to show me was, then I'm your Savior and I'm your Deliverer and I'll answer those prayers, but you need to begin to relate to me like you would a king. So if I had an appointment with the king, would I approach him saying, oh, king, can you give me more money? Oh, king. Can you, can you help my marriage? Oh, king. No, that's not how I'd do it. I would enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It says, give thanks to him. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to approach the king and say, you're an amazing king. Look at all you've done for our nation. You're an amazing king. You see, I actually heard the story of a governor in Missouri that uh, was so used to people asking favors of him that when this party came in, he didn't even greet them. And he said, what is it you want from me? He was so used to people asking favors. You see, you don't approach officials that way. You approach them with thanksgiving 
and then you approach them with praise. And we want to approach Jesus. And I want to tell you, if you, if you want your faith to grow, start approaching Jesus with thanksgiving and praise before you ask anything. You, you can ask, just save it for later. You have to allot enough time to focus your faith. Now, here's how I do it. So, for example, um, the Thanksgiving, I find, focuses me off my problems and gets me onto the Lord. So, for example, without my Thanksgiving, what I'm doing is I'm focusing on myself. But when I give Thanksgiving right now, for example, I can see with crystal clarity a person that is is kind of playing with something in their hands, messing with their nails going on right now. And, and that's something, it, some cream or something like that. It, putting it on her hands, rubbing it in for, you know, that winter chill that's going on. See, see what I'm saying? Now, Thanksgiving, what it does, it enables you to see the details of what God is doing. Is there anybody in the room that wants to see the details of what God is doing? If God's putting cream on his hands, I want in. So I start off with thanksgiving. So here's what I do then. I look at it in two forms. There is non-circumstantial thanksgiving and there's circumstantial thanksgiving. So I'm going to divide these out for you. So in my life then, in order to focus on the Lord, to overcome my doubts, I will start off thanking the Lord for things that have nothing to do with my circumstances. Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus that has cleansed me from my sins. Oh, I can thank the Lord a thousand times a day, regardless of what else is going on in my life, that my sins are forgiven. Lord, I thank you that I'm the very righteousness of God in Christ today because of what Jesus did for me. Oh, Lord, I thank you that I've been crucified with Christ today. And, you know, therefore, I can act differently today. Lord, I just thank you that you are compassionate and kind and caring for human weakness. Lord, I thank you that you're the God who is in control and you're good at the same time. These are all non-circumstantial thanksgivings. Then I move to circumstantial thanksgivings. Lord, I thank you for my amazing wife. She's an amazing person, and I'm so grateful that you chose my wife for me. I think I would have made a lesser choice. Thank you for, thank you for choosing my wife for me. Lord, I thank you for my family and for my children. I thank you, Lord God, that you've always provided for me, and you're providing today. Now I'm moving to circumstantial thanksgiving. Now, as humans, we have agendas. Would you agree that humans have agendas? How many of you usually have an agenda when you go to God in prayer? Right? All right, so just name your agenda. So what you're doing is you're getting up and you're praying, and you know what you're really trying to get to is your Christmas debt. (laughs) right? So you, you know what the issue is. Holly and I, man, we took Financial Peace University this year, transformed a whole Christmas. I, I'm blessing the Lord that we came into January with some cash left over. Financial Peace University. You got to take advantage of this. I'm telling you, it's really good stuff. But, you know, everybody else is in Christmas debt. So, so Lord, oh my goodness, we've overspent, oh God. And, uh, and, and you know that's the agenda is we got too much Christmas debt. we got credit card debt all over the place. What are we going to do? So how are we going to get there? All right. Lord, I thank you that you are the God of a cattle on a thousand hills. Notice I just focused, right? 
Lord, I just thank you that money is no object for you. See, I'm giving thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you that, that you have done financial miracles for so many people. Now I set myself up with focus to finally get to, Lord, we accumulated some credit card debt because of all these Christmas presents that we bought on Amazon.com. Would you please deliver us from our Christmas debt? See how I did that? I set my faith up with thanksgiving, and then I moved to my request. And that is like a hundred times more powerful than just starting off with the request. What if worship is just a focus problem? I've actually seen miracle healings this way. Uh, the one I tell the most is when I was a young pastor and had a young woman in our congregation that had moved away, and I was on vacation. And I'll never forget this because it left an impression on me. I picked up the phone, and I heard these words, Pastor, I've got leukemia. And I'm like, what? Whoa, you talk about zapping you right out of vacation. And so I prayed, and then we began a journey. Now, this was before, this was back when all of the bone marrow surgery was just barely experimental, meaning there was no cure for leukemia. And it was a young woman and newly married. So we begin the journey of walking together in faith. How are we going to get healed? How are we going to get cured? We don't believe God wants your life to end. She had it bad. I mean, short lifespan going to come. And so we started getting our faith built up with thanksgiving and with praise. She'd call at times and we'd just pray in tongues together. You know what I'm saying? That worked well. Um, and then, I'll never forget the day that she called. We had seen some miracles. It was, I, was, I began to see God setting up a miracle. That's good. But then the day came when she said, here it is again, Pastor, oh, hi, I'm pregnant. I'm like, Okay. You got leukemia and you're pregnant. Said, how did this happen? I mean, <laughs> they're on birth control. Come on now. You know that God can override birth control. So God overrode the birth control. And now she got leukemia and is in a form of chemotherapy and is pregnant. I had no faith for it. I mean, I, I, was, I was wiped out. I said, I... I this is okay. What do you do when you have no faith, but you've got a great need set before you? You go back to worship. So, of course, I didn't tell her I had no faith. That's anti-pastoral. <laughs> Instead, I said, well, let's just begin to pray the names of God. So, I just said, Lord, I thank you that your name is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And you've provided so well for this person so far in these miracles we've seen. Lord, I thank you that your name is Jehovah uh, Sidkenu, our righteousness, and that this person is righteous no matter what happens from here on out. Because we were looking at a DNA, I think it's a D DNA, where they, early abortion? DNC, sorry, I don't know my medical terms, Okay. And so, okay, I thank you, Lord, that you're the Lord, our righteousness. Lord, I just thank you that you, 
that you, you, God, are the Lord who heals us. And I just went through the Lord, our presence, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Sh who Shalom, the Lord who is our peace and your peace in these circumstances. We just praised through the names of God. And when it was over, do you know what we had? Focus. And you know what focus brings you? Faith. So we just hung up, let it go. And a week later, she called back and said, Pastor, God has given me faith to have this baby. I'm like, okay, you got faith. I'm joining my faith with your faith. And long story made short, this person, they have their baby. Baby's normal, now an adult. They got insurance to pay for, like, back then leukemia surgery was like over $100,000. So they got it. They got insurance after they were diagnosed. Can anybody say miracle? Okay. And then they had the leukemia surgery, but it was experimental, and there were five candidates, and four of them died, and she lived and lives to this day. Healthy, good life with a child that's now an adult. Probably celebrated Christmas together. Come on now. Now that's what focus will do for you when you say, you know what? What I'm not going to do is I'm going to look all around me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, oh man, get me on a name of God and help me to see clearly on a name of God. Isn't that something? What's that? Space mask say something about stamps? <laughs> Oh, united we stand. Oh, united we stand. All right. See, I needed binoculars to read that. United we stand on a face mask. So the, the, it's going to help us focus on the Lord. Hope nobody's picking their nose because what's going to happen is I'm going to get these things out and I'm going to spot you, right? I want to encourage you on the live stream again. Having been a live stream candidate, I found focus an extreme challenge. Are you using praise and worship and thanksgiving to focus so that isolation does not take you under? And if you're not, I encourage you, use your, your praise and your thanksgiving as a weapon to focus, and you'll do better. So we focus by singing, by praise, and then now focus on. What are we going to focus on? Psalm 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Focus on the goodness of God. And I want to encourage you, when hard times come, what I've learned is I want to focus on two aspects of God. One is His goodness, and the other is His sovereignty. And the world has such a hard time with this, because what they do is they look at everything that's wrong in the world and they say, well, God is either not a good God or not a sovereign God. And therefore, they get tripped up. And the reason being is that it's all right here. But when you encounter God and have an experience with Him that He's good, and then you encounter God and have an experience with Him, that He's sovereign, you know Him as both good and sovereign. And this will never get in the way again. And that just is something. He's both good 
and he's sovereign. For the Lord, this is what I'm going to focus on. He's good. His steadfast love endures forever. You need that when you feel like you've fallen short. His steadfast love endures forever. We're getting, as Trey and Jamie did so well, um, you know, poor Trey is going to have to, you know, he, he gets a cashew a day. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so what Holly and I were talking about on the way in, how in longer seasons of fasting, how often it seems like we have feelings of failure. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 it, it's a difficult time. It can be. You need to focus on that God is good and He's merciful and He's kind and, he's, and He just loves you unconditionally. It's okay. It's all right. His love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Let me come back to the beginning verse that we started with. Psalm 103, know that the Lord, He is God. Would you say, know that the Lord, He is God? Would you say, I got to learn, I got to know by encounter. Not by book knowledge, but because I've had a relationship. Because I've had an encounter. And then another encounter. And then another encounter. Know that He is God. So I'm setting myself up at all times to have another encounter with the Lord. Because that's what I really know. It is He who made us, and we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And I want to encourage you. I'm going to hand off the service to Pastor Jared for just a moment, as he, and he's going to close us down. But I want to encourage you. God is wanting an encounter with you so that you have experience-based relationships with Christ, not just knowledge-based relationships with Christ. Pastor Jared, I'm going to take it away.